Two years ago, a first for the internet, April the Giraffe, in a much ballyhooed moment likely almost completely forgotten since, gave birth to her baby giraffe offspring, Tajiri, and it was live broadcast on YouTube. Almost completely forgotten about since. I mean, did you remember? If you ever knew? Almost completely forgotten, but not by this podcast. That's because two years ago, this very week, I picked a five-stock sampler entitled Five Stocks for April the Giraffe. So, here in Rule Breakerville, we will never forget. Today, I have the pleasure of reviewing for you how those stock picks did, and not only that, how did I do with the five stocks I featured on this podcast last year, five stocks I own that you should too. So, a fun week where we review 10 past picks made on this podcast with reflections about what's happened, why, and what to look for going forward. April? Tajiri? You listening? Only on Rule Breaker Investing. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting the Rule Breaker Investing podcast. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. There's still a little bit of glow about me. I'm I'm glowing. There's I'm happy. I, I so I so, something happened last night. We're taping this on Tuesday afternoon, as we always do. Tuesday afternoon, April sixteenth. It happens to be my brother's birthday. So happy birthday to Tom happy Gardner. Happy birthday, Tom. Happy fifty-first birthday, and my friend here, Jim Mueller, who's going to be joining me very shortly. Jim, you also think that Tom, you you hope that he'll have a happy birthday. Sure. Yeah, and it's harder to have happy birthdays once it starts with a five, not a four or a three or a two. <laughs> and Jim, you well, and I are aware of that. You get used to it. You get used to it. So, so no, the glow about me, and this is not just mine. This is Jim. I, you look like you're glowing a little bit to me, and a lot of our community members, I hope, are because last night the Motley Fool was a correct answer on Jeopardy. And that's the third time in our corporate history. I've watched each of them. I'm happy to say each time the contestant got us right, which is a good feeling. You don't want to have crickets when your corporate name is the answer, or I should say, the question on Jeopardy. If you didn't get to watch Jeopardy, I'll try the answer out on you, dear listeners. This company has been helping the world invest better since 1993. And it helps to know that the topic, the category was April foolery. Oh, Otherwise, nice. it would be hard, Jim, wouldn't it, to, to get this company's been helping the world invest better since 1993. No, but it was April Foolery for a thousand, Alex. Happy to say the champion nailed it. And uh, one brief reflection before we actually get to the work of this podcast this week, and that is the first time we were an answer on Jeopardy, which was early days for the Motley Fool, 1990s, it was more about brothers David and Tom Gardner, this or that. Uh, and now, it's just our company purpose. I mean, I, I love that our basically our our purpose statement from 2018, helping the world invest better, is the answer on Jeopardy. And that's, then people got awesome. the question. So that is kind of awesome. And so yes, there's a little bit of a glow about our offices this week. Well, you've heard the perhaps familiar voice of my friend Jim Mueller. Jim has been here at the Motley Fool for how many years, Jim? Uh, a little over 12 years in office and 13 years as an employer contractor. Indeed, and as a community member, well back before that, uh, a couple of a few years before that. Yes. yes. So, Jim, uh, the reason that your voice may be familiar is because you're on Market Foolery and some other of our Motley Fool podcasts. You do a lot of great work 
uh, studying stocks. You also have a CFA? I do have the CFA charter. A designation I probably will never have myself, but I, I'm deeply respectful of it. I know, how many levels are there to the CFA? There are three levels of exams, and then you have to have a certain amount of industry experience before you can uh, be granted the charter. And Jim, what level of CFA are you? Oh, no, there, there's only a single level. There's only a single level. You can pass the uh, the three exam levels, but there's only a single CFA charter level. I see. See, this just shows the English major in me, the, the eternal <laughs> noob who doesn't exactly know how my own industry works. But I'm very happy that you have your CFA, Jim. Very respectful. We have many of them here at we The do. Fool. It seems like it's the, what all the cool kids are doing. We do, and yeah. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, good. But you're here this time to help me look over the stocks that I picked a year ago on this podcast. So I mentioned at the top that we have two five-stock samplers we're going to be reviewing, and I like to do them in reverse chronological order. So let's go with the CFA term here. We're going to go LIFO, last in, <laughs> first out. So the most recent one done was one year ago this week, and then the later in the show, we're going to look at the one done two years ago this week. So a LIFO approach to five-stock sampler reviews. Okay. And Jim, you graciously raised your hand and said, you'll help out with this one. Sure. And thank you very much. You're welcome. But before we get to that, Jim, you are on a quest, a lifelong quest that relates to one of my favorite things in the world, which is baseball. Could you briefly share that with Rule Breaker Investing listeners? So, in my previous job, I traveled around the country a fair bit and decided to start collecting the baseballs at the stadiums of uh, the various major league stadiums. And there are 30 stadiums, and I have 20 of them so far, and I pick up two more uh, at the beginning of May. So that'll be fun. That is awesome. And where are you headed that you haven't been yet in May? Um, I will be seeing the Texas Rangers in Arlington, Texas. And then I'll be flying down to Houston and meeting up with a friend and colleague there before seeing the Houston Astros play. That is wonderful. And Jim, each time you are taking a ball away from the ballpark, right? I, the rule is I have to buy the ball at the park. Right. Have you ever caught one? No. Right. <laughs> but I. Uh, I came within about uh, 12 seats away. All right, that's that's pretty close. I mean, odds on, you go to 30 ball games over the course of your life, probably you're not going to catch a foul ball at any of those. It takes a lot more, maybe like season ticket-like yeah. persistence, but yeah. that could still happen. But you're always walking away with a ball, probably a better-looking ball than the one that gets hit off a bat. And it has the logo of the team, so there I know we where go. it is. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, Jim, and have a great trip in May to Texas. All right, well, without further ado, one year ago this week, five stocks I own that you should, too. Now, every one of my five-stock samplers, and we've done more than a dozen on this podcast over almost four years now, every one of them has a theme attached to it. This one was pretty straightforward. I own these stocks. I don't own every stock that I pick in Motley Fool Rule Breakers and Motley Fool Stock Advisor. I love them all. I'm accountable for them all. Our members presumably are paying us for our advice with their subscription to buy them, but I don't keep up with all 220 plus of the companies. I only have so much money in my family portfolios that I can allocate. So I thought last year, this week, you know, let me put out five stocks that I own and just say, I think you should too. Jim, you and I are going to tick down this list alphabetically. And the first one, Ticker symbol is ATVI. This company is Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard was first picked April 18th of last year. So, right about this time last year at $68.69. Jim, I'm really disappointed to lead off with this one because I am, I hate to say it, but the stock has dropped from $68 and changed down to $45 and about 30 cents as we tape. That's down. We're going to round it to 43 percentage points Ouch. to the market because, and this is the key with all five stock samplers, we always compare to the market. As you well know, Jim, that's what we do here at The Fool. Well, that's the default other choice. 
Absolutely. Because the S&P 500, any of us could have bought that index fund. And a lot of the world says, just buy that, don't buy individual stocks, which, of course, we don't think of as capital F foolish. We've done a lot better. And my five stock samplers, I think, prove this by buying stocks individually. But we're always marking against the market. Now, the market is up 8% from last year. So, each of these five stocks, we're comparing against a plus 8 and a minus 35. Doesn't look good at all against a plus 8. We start 43 percentage points in the whole gym. What has happened to Activision Blizzard? Well, Activision Blizzard and their competitors, Take-Two Interactive and Electronic Arts, uh, EA, are all down since last fall. They all did pretty well in the spring and the summer, and then with along, along with a lot of the market, they fell down. But while most of the market has recovered... Yeah, because 4Q was brutal, but 1Q was really 1Q nice. 1Q was really nice. To most industries. But not to the, this industry. Mm. So, uh, the big story here seems to be uh, the rise and popularity popularity of a game called Fortnite, especially its boil <laughs> Battle Royale uh, mode, <laughs> right. which has become quite popular and grown like gangbusters. Uh, over 125 million players uh, last last summer and I'm sure it's grown nothing done nothing more than grow since. Uh, and, and the worries are that uh, customers are playing that rather than Activision games. Now um, and in, in for as far as analysts are concerned in the third and the fourth quarter, the company missed on both its revenue estimates and uh, on its uh, uh, earnings estimates. Okay. And the second miss in Q4 was substantial, uh, almost 7% miss, a $200, $200 million miss. Right. And this is a company that doesn't have a history really of missing its earnings no, forecast, for it, the most part. For the most part, it's pretty pretty good. And during the, that call, the CEO, Bobby Kotick, said that the company hadn't delivered the expected performance. They had done very well financially, set new financial records for the company, but they said, we didn't do as well as we should have. And uh, they... Uh, as a result, they're they're making a lot of changes, and uh, analysts and investors tend to not to like uncertainty. For instance, uh, uh, their previous CEO Spencer Newman he was fired for cause, and replaced with a former CFO Dennis Durkin. He's, he came back to uh, uh, once again lead hmm. the financial side of the company, and uh, they got rid of the bunge, uh, their deal with the Bungie Studio that made Destiny. Yep, and that's gone on to Destiny was a big title, and then Destiny Two. Right, but it's no longer part of the part of this. No company. longer part of this yeah. company, unfortunately, and they're also laying off a bunch of people. And there's been pushback by uh, players of the in-game transactions, and so it's a little bit uncertain about how Activision's going to go forward. And uh, like all of this industry, it's a what have you done for me lately, and what's your next big hit, rather than how well are you doing now. Yeah, so it's obviously been very disappointing. I mean, a year ago, we're down. More than a third from where Activision Blizzard was just one year ago, and yet this has yep. been such a spectacular long-term performer for us. I first picked Activision Blizzard at a split-adjusted dollar sixty-one in two thousand three. So here we are, sixteen years later, riding a twenty-eight bagger, even having lost a third of its value yep. over the last year. Uh, we've re-recommended it many times since, including this five-stock sampler a year right. ago. But you know, I really do love this company and believe in it going forward, Jim. I don't know what are your feelings about Activision Blizzard. I like the company. Uh, I own I own shares myself, uh, though I do have a covered call on them. So if the uh, call ever ex is exercised, I'll sell my shares off. Okay. Uh, but uh, I do remember there was this long period uh, after your second or third recommendation where the share price just sat and sat yeah. and sat. Two thousand nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. It did nothing it did for like nothing. five years while the market was rising, and then all of a sudden. It Shot up, and that was triggered by uh, Kodak and 
a group of investors that he put together buying the the shares of the company away from the germ uh, I'm sorry French uh, company that owned yeah a, Vivendi Vivendi that yeah. owned a good part Vivendi of it Vivendi now whether say. that was the reason or or not is up for debate but mm-hmm. uh, that's that was the event that where the market finally pushed the shares up and the market might have gotten a little over enthusiastic well it's a company that has great franchises and really makes a lot of money not just through one great product but through many so I, I really do like Activision Blizzard I still like it I guess I like it even more right here a third down but I don't like it for the performance of this five stock sampler because we started <laughs> At minus 43, which is not the way I like to start a five stock sampler. Quick trivia since we're talking baseball briefly, Jim. Did you know that Bobby Kodak, the CEO of Activision Blizzard, was personally in a very well known baseball movie from a few years ago? No, I don't. Yes, he played the role of the owner of the Oakland Athletics uh-huh. in the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt. He's just early on in a scene, but that's Kodak, who I think is friends maybe with Michael Lewis or somebody who's making the movie. And so the Activision Blizzard CEO makes that cameo appearance in Moneyball. So that's awesome. Quick, quick note. All right. Let's go to stock number two. All right. Stock number two. This is alphabetical by ticker symbol because the ticker symbol is G O O G. Uh, so I presented it that way back in the day, although we've since revised and we like to present by company name because we're more about company names than ticker symbols on this podcast. Well, Alphabet comes in alpha- alphabetically after Activision. so that, that even still works. You're right. I wasn't thinking about that, but that is true, Jim. So, yes, Alphabet is company number two, still with that artifact of a ticker symbol G O O G. In fact, I think that Google should consider renaming. It's ticker symbol. I'm going to go with A T O Z. That would be good for alphabet, right? A to Z. Oh, that 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 could work. <laughs> I don't think they're going to take my advice though. Um, so a year ago, the stock was at $1,072. Today, as we tape, it's right about $1,230. So the stock is up 14%. The market up, as we said, 8%. So this is a plus six. It brings us back from minus 43 to minus 37. Jim, what's been happening in Googleville, Alphabetville here over the last year? Well, Alphabet, as you know, is a very large company, around $850 billion market cap. And the amazing thing is that it is still managing to grow its top line, its revenue line, by around 20% a year. It's phenomenal. It's done that for the last three years. I mean, that's crazy for such a huge company. So that's why this company is doing so well. Um, revenue growth in 2018 was 23%, 22% for the fourth quarter. Uh, that's a third, as I said, a third year in a row of 20% or more mm. growth. It beat revenue estimates three out of the four quarters last year. It beat uh, earnings estimates all four times. Market loves that kind of stuff, and so it, it uh, bids the price up. Great. I don't think we have to talk a lot more about Alphabet. It's a company that's very well known, and it's almost hard to keep track of because it owns so many different businesses. Things like Waymo, the autonomous driving software company, mm-hmm. and 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 then there's YouTube something called YouTube, and, which yeah. a lot of us may have heard of. I don't know if you know this, Jim, but on YouTube two years ago there was a live giraffe birth. Yeah, you said something about that, didn't you? Good. I think maybe I did. So yeah. So I mean, that's all brought to you by YouTube, which is owned by Alphabet. Alphabet is a massive company. It is an innovator, and I really like you that you highlighted that top line growth because that's so hard to do at the scale at which Google slash Alphabet operates. And they've got YouTube TV offering cable-free television, and it sucked me back in last year so I could watch the Olympics, and now I'm watching baseball, and uh, they've just added the Food Channel, and so I love 
cooking. And so, yeah, I'm never going to get rid of that, yeah. it seems. <laughs> I mean, I really think Alphabet might be the quintessential rule breaker when you just think about the company and all the rules it's breaking across many different fronts, and not just domestically, but globally. So, a truly phenomenal company. And I'm a fan. I'm glad that it's beating the market here last year. And one of the things I like is it's. Uh, Move further and further into AI and getting more of that in integrated. It's helping uh, clean up the videos on YouTube uh, that violate their content uh, rules. Uh, it's making Google Assistant expand. And the thing I love the most is it's bringing the the uh, Universal Translator to reality mm. from mm. from Star Trek. I Can't mean, wait. Babblefish, you know. Yeah, from you can you can talk Douglas in one Adams language well, and bet. Google Assistant's going to translate it right for I you. I can't wait. I love it. I'm ready. You and I, we'll have our first real conversation in different languages <laughs> the day that comes, Jim. What what language will you be rocking? Uh, I took French in high school, so... That was going to be my okay. choice, so that wouldn't be as good. Actually, we would both benefit, I would benefit at least, from having Google Translator translate my French, because it needs some help. Yeah, so it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's here already, and it's only going to get better. Okay. All right, stock number three, Intuitive Surgical. The ticker symbol is ISRG. This is one of our longest-running Rule Breaker picks. Yep, it's another stock I own, along with all five of these. Five stocks I own that you should, too. And this one, I'm happy to say, $471 a share a year ago, and today, tipping the scales right around $563. So, Intuitive Surgical is up 19%. That's 11 percentage points ahead of the market. That brings us to a minus 26 for this sampler as we struggle to get above water. Uh, Jim, what's happening with the Da Vinci Surgical Robot Purveyor? So, this one, uh, the company just keeps on managing to ship more and more of those Da Vinci Surgical Robot systems uh, each quarter and year over year. And along with that, it gets more procedures done. It's expanding the reach of those procedures, how, uh, what, what different kinds of surgeries those can be done. You bet. Uh, both domestically and internationally. Which is amazing. And so, it's, uh, it remains debt-free. It kicks out uh, over a billion dollars in free cash uh, for each of the last three years. So, it's, uh, it's rocking uh, any, in- any investor's dream right there. Yeah, and I, what I really love about this company as a part owner, uh, shareholder, Jim, do you own any ISRG? So, you and I are, are shareholders here. Is that just the competitive advantage that the company enjoys over almost anything that looks like it in its industry? Intuitive Surgical is spending more money, just R&D per year, than a lot of startups could even raise to try to compete. And it just keeps, as you mentioned, Jim, broadening the number and types of surgeries that can be done minimally invasively with a robot eye and incredibly fine, precise movements that the human hand could never do mm-hmm. with a scalpel. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are always concerns that come up every now and then, uh, repeatedly, on whether the minimally invasive procedure is the best procedure for that particular type of surgery. Yeah. Um, and that that's debated in the medical journals, and doctors will figure out which ones are best. But uh, there's, I, I believe there's ample proof that any sort of minimally invasive surgery is best for the patient. Less blood loss, less pain, faster healing times. Yes, it is true. And this has actually dogged the stock some over, yeah. over the years. In fact, I would say a dark cloud that I can see through, that I've seen through in the past, was a perception on the part of medical professionals that you didn't get any better outcomes. You still had your prostate gland successfully removed, mm-hmm. whether it was human hand with a scalpel or with the Da Vinci surgical robot. That was the doctor's view. As patients, which would you prefer? Would you like to be cut open and you have to recover for several days in hospitals just to get back on your feet, or minimally invasively be up and out the next morning? And so I know which one I'd won. And so I always felt like some of that criticism leveled at Intuitive Surgical was not really thinking through the whole system. 
I agree. Yep. So we first picked this stock at below $15 a share back in 2005, and 14 years later, just holding as we're one to do as fools, stock is up more than 39 times in value. It's in the high 500s right now from our cost basis below 15. So, this is a classic example of how the Motley Fool is helping the world invest better. By the way, since 1993, according to Alex Trebek, and he nailed it. <laughs> All right, stock number four, the ticker symbol is MTCH. This is Match Group. And this is a company that owns Tinder, it owns Match.com. It's a company that's bringing people together, not just here in the U.S., but worldwide, and all different types of people, and really the worldwide leader, I think, Jim. And Match Group, this week, last year, was just over $47 a share. Today, happy to say it's up to 58 This is the best performer in the group of five. So far, it's up 24%. So, 24 uh, minus 8, that's a plus 16. So, if you're keeping score at home for this five-stock sample, we're now up to minus 10 with one stock left. Jim, it seems like Match Group, when it came public, IPOing a few years ago, so much less hype than things like Uber or Lyft or the coming IPOs. There was so little talk I thought about Match. And so when I first picked it for Stock Advisor, I was almost shocked that it had so little visibility as, to me anyway, big well known brands like Tinder doing important stuff in this world. Well, I've been happily married for many, many years and never even considered using any of its products. So, And I haven't either. And many of our members, I'm sure, are in the same boat. So It's true. I could see why it kind of just floated out there without much excitement. Yeah. But a lot of us these days are swiping left or swiping right, depending on whether you like or don't like somebody, and meeting people. And Match really is the dominant, I think, the leading worldwide player here. And this is, I I say this often on this podcast, but it's still shocking when you think in global humanity, in terms of global humanity, the number one way that we meet our spouse is through word of mouth and friends. Hey, I want you to meet Veronica or Bob. I think you'd really like her or him. That's number one. Number two, I think I have my math right here, is arranged marriages. In countries, big ones like India and many other parts of the world, it is common to arrange marriages. The number three way that humans meet their spouse today is online and the internet. And I don't think that's going to lose ground in that sweepstakes anytime soon. So I'm really glad that we're invested. Is this a company you also own, Jim? No, I don't. Well, I might. Actually, for, for uh, I probably do. Uh, for a long time, I was uh, buying your stock advisor recommendations on a fairly regular basis. And uh-huh. I think Match Group was in on that. Awesome. Now, you said for a long time, usually past tense, Jim. Did I, did, did I lose my allure no, for you? No, you didn't. Uh, it's just that uh, I had to stop doing it for a couple of reasons. That's fine. That's personal. We won't go into it, other than my feelings are now obviously deeply <laughs> hurt. But let's just let's keep going, Jim. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I don't have a tissue to hand <laughs> So, Match uh, last year has just been killing it. Uh, they, the last several quarters, they beat on both the top and the bottom line. They're growing revenue strongly. They still have a fairly small presence internationally, so there's a good portion of growth ahead of them there. And especially likes the fact that they raised guidance a couple of times last year. So, when they come out with original guidance, when they report fourth quarter of 2017, they say, oh, we're going to make this much money and have this much revenue. And then a couple of quarters later, they said, oh, we're doing even better. We're going to have more revenue and more money. And a quarter after that, oh, even more money. And yeah, market loves that. Investors love that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's one reason why it's up last year. That's really wonderful. And it wasn't just up last year. Since we picked it in Motley Fool Stock Advisor, the year was 2016. The month was April. So, it's exactly three years ago. The stock is up 458%. I'll take that for any stock over any three-year period. It far exceeds my own expectations when I first picked it. But it's a reminder that when you look for leaders, and 
companies that are doing important things in this world, sometimes in a strong market, which we've been living in, you can be shocked by how well your stock does. So, imagine people who weren't coached properly on investing, who buy match back in April 2016, and it goes up 20%, and they think, should I sell? And then, maybe it doubles, and then like, oh, I'll sell half. And quote, play with the house's money, end quote, one of those old don't, saws that we don't like here. Don't at the get Fool. me started. Yeah, I know. I won't get you started. But, you know, a lot of people are kind of afraid of doing too well. But sometimes, these great companies, and we've been talking about them in this podcast, they do even better than you could have thought of. And mm-hmm. the right thing to do has been, as long as the company continues to operate successfully, don't worry too much. Sure, stock prices can get ahead of themselves, and maybe for Activision Blizzard, we're seeing that over the last year. I'm down a third. But we're not in it for one year or two or three. We're in it for a lifetime as investors. And uh, what a shockingly great five-bagger in just three years for Match. That's just... What a, what a fantastic pick. All right. So, that sets the stage for the final stock in this stock sampler. <laughs> and Jim, I have a record of almost always being able to bring in, and this is pure luck, winners. Like I almost never don't win with my five stock samplers. Now, these stocks picked a year ago were picked for a minimum of three years. So, this is right. premature. So, we're only one year in. That's so. right. And we always review after each year because it's fun to just check in and see how we're doing. So, Zillow is stock number five. Now, I know a lot of people know Zillow. People who know Zillow well as a stock might be, like my friend Brian Froldy, who's shortly going to be joining me for the second time, might be grimacing a little bit because I think <laughs> Brian knows that unfortunately Zillow hasn't had a great run of it on the market. So, that dream of always being able to bring in winning five stock samplers, even premature reviews, that dream, if it ever existed, dies right now because Zillow was picked just below $49 a share a year ago. Today it is 38. The stock is down 22%, the market up 8. So that's a minus 30. Our grand total then for this five stock sampler is minus 40 percentage points taken mm. together as a group, divide by five, five stocks. We average losing to the market by eight percentage points. In fact, if you remember, the market was up 8% over the last year. That means this group. Even though we had some nice winners and the majority were winning, this group is at 0% return one year later. Now, I sure hope it'll get better from here. But, Jim, before we move on, what's been happening at Zillow? Well, you may remember I said Activision uh, is rejiggering itself a little bit and uh, figuring out how it wants to proceed. Well, Zillow is doing that squared. Uh, they, they're advertising based of uh, having realtors advertise on on their site and they having such the fantastic data set which they still do uh, that bring a lot of eyeballs for those realtors to hook up with that's uh, that didn't turn out as good as they had wanted it to and so they've uh, done a couple of things in quarter two they launched a home buying and selling service they'll buy your home from you so that yeah. you can uh, get out of it quickly you might not get the best price but you'll get cash that day um, and uh, then they have to sell the home to, at, hopefully at a profit, and meanwhile carry that inventory. So that means they're they're uh, it's more capital intensive than it used to be, uh, having a whole. You bunch bet. Of They've got to have on. cash to buy houses, exactly. and then they sell them back and hold that inventory in the meantime. Right, and then uh, a quarter later, in in quarter three, they launched a home loan originations uh, a loan mortgage origination service, mm-hmm. and uh, the big gorilla there is Quicken Loans. And so they're competing against them. They're competing against uh, Redfin, another uh, company that's playing in the same space. So there's a lot of competitors there. Both of these uh, announcements caused the stock to drop when they were announced at earnings. And um, new businesses and new business and analyst investors wondering how well they'll do because they're kind of outside their their uh, uh, 
area of core competency yes. by doing this. It's it's related business, but it's different business, if you know what yeah. I mean. And the CEO's changed over. So, a lot right. of uncertainty over this last year, and we've always said, it's an old saw as well, the market hates uncertainty, and certainly the market has sold this stock off. It's lost a fifth of its value from one year ago. Yeah, it's not a it's not a new CEO. This is the former CEO Rich Burton coming uh, back in. Coming back in, a, I hope, on a high white stallion yeah. and ready to ride to victory. So there, there are things that are. If if they work out, can do really good things for the company and for the stock. But there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And I trust things will work out. And to close this one up, first of all, thank you, Jim Mueller, for joining me on Rule Breaker Investing. You're welcome. My pleasure. Great job. And it's a pleasure, Jim, to work together as we have for years now, looking over great companies like this for Motley Fool Stock Advisor, where you and I are on the same team at Stock Advisor. But thinking about these companies, every one of these I like just as much today as I did a year ago. And three of them are ahead where they were, but two are well behind. Taken as a basket, though, and that's what we do with our five stock samplers is a little mini portfolio. I really like this group of companies. It's flat over the last year with the market up. So uh, I feel good about where we're headed in years two and three. So, Jim, maybe a, a year from now, let's, let's talk again and see where we are in these companies. Sure thing. All right. So, thus much for five stocks I own that you should too. We're going to clear the stage. Uh, it is a reminder I do own the stocks, so I sure hope that they will outperform, but you know, sometimes. There are periods and or stocks that are just going to underperform for me. And so at least I can say my money was where and is where my mouth is. And I have good feelings about those companies going forward. All right. Well, when it's time to make a hire for your small business, naturally you want to find the best person for the job. Odds are that person is on LinkedIn. Here at The Fool, we've used LinkedIn for years. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for the role that you're offering. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard skills and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Now, your LinkedIn Jobs matches are based, of course, on skills and backgrounds, sure, but also interests, activities, and passions. Matching lets you quickly get a group of the most relevant, qualified candidates for your role. And that way, you can focus on the candidates that you want to spend time talking to and make a quality hire that you're excited about. Customers rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality job opportunities. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get 50, that's $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. That's linkedin.com slash fool. All right, so goodbye to my friend Jim Mueller and hello to my friend Brian Froldy. Brian, welcome to Rule Breaker Investing. Great to be here. Is This, this is not the first time that you've been on the podcast because I know over the phone I've is it? So, this is the first time I've been on Rule Breaker podcast. However, I was a guest on A Fool's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah, uh, yes. An earlier version of my podcast done just for Supernova members back yes. in the day. So, I, kn- I knew we'd spend some time together, but we don't get to spend that much time together because, Brian, where do you live? I live in Rhode Island. Yes. So, I am visiting right now with the, uh, the family of the Washington, D.C. area and decided to pop into The Fool. And, Brian, what was your journey as an investor? How did you start and how did you end up at The Fool? Uh, I'm just one of those weirdos that just loves this stuff, right? I mean, it's what I did with my free time for years and years, and I was uh, lucky enough to make the switch to uh, becoming a writer for The Fool. I write for uh, Fool.com, and I've been doing that for about four years. And that's a full-time job for you? It is, yes. That's amazing. That means you're prolific and very much appreciated, which I know about you. You are. I certainly appreciate you. I'm so glad it worked. Uh, Spring break, saw the kids in here earlier, yeah, and uh, you had your family in, and I'm just really happy to have you here reviewing 
Five stocks for April the giraffe. Now, I think we may have even belabored the backstory to that one. So, anybody who's still listening is going to know who April the giraffe is. But the key here, because there's that theme for each five stock sampler, the key here, when I did this two years ago this week, I decided to make it a puzzle. I put five stocks together that seemingly had nothing to do with each other. And the solution to the puzzle was it was kind of an acrostic. The first letter of each company name spelled April. And so we're just having a little bit of fun with it. Of course, these are all companies that I love. I'm being a little silly with the theme, but each of these is a very good stock. And in fact, the letter I represented in April, uh, we've already talked about because I picked it for the sampler that Jim did, Intuitive Surgical. I'm, I'm going to love hearing your thoughts about Intuitive in a sec. Brian. But anyway, so that was why April the giraffe, the stock spelled April. And then my talented producer, Rick Engdahl, noticed there was this live internet birth, etc. I think the backstory is, is clear to everyone. So with all that said, We've got five stocks. These were each picked two years ago, so they've had a little bit more time to age than that first set. And let's see how they're doing. The first one up is Axon Enterprise. Now, the ticker symbol for this company is AAXN. And while it initially started as Taser, and in an earlier version of Motley Fool Rule Breakers, it was one of our active picks as Taser, later it changed its name because Axon acquired the number one police body equipment cams, the cameras that do live footage when police apprehend people. And uh, and so, that became a big part of its business. Of course, Evidence.com, Brian, which I know you know, that's their cloud-based video house that they keep. They house all the videos that police departments use and the courts use. So, that's the business today, Axon Enterprise. Yeah, this is a Super interesting company, and I, I got to be honest. When it was, uh, I know it's been a wreck for years. I was not interested in it at all. It was one of those rule breaker stocks that I just personally passed over. However, when you re-wrecked it a few years ago, you really highlighted Evidence.com as their SaaS offering. And when I when I realized that there was a uh, SaaS component to this business, a software as a service component, I became much more interested in it. Well, wonderful, and I'm happy to say this is actually not one that I own. I sure wish I did, though, because two years ago when I picked it, the stock was at twenty-two dollars and seventy-three cents on April nineteenth, two thousand seventeen, and today it's gone from twenty-two to sixty-one. Axon Enterprise up a hundred and seventy percent, and against the markets, twenty-four percent. That's the bogey. This five-stock sampler is competing against a market that's risen twenty-four percent in the last two years. That is a crushing outperformance. 170 minus 24, that starts us at a plus 146. Brian, what has been happening for Axon? Uh, this company has been just crushing it. I mean, they've been mostly beating their estimates. They've been putting up 20% revenue growth. You know, Wall Street loves that kind of thing. But I think what's getting so excited about this, this company is their evidence.com platform is really becoming profitable. This is a company that has been uh, investing heavily to build it out. They are using um, tasers and their body cameras uh, as, as their kind of gateway in. And then they give, in many cases, evidence.com to police forces for free. And once a police force gets on, the platform and they get all their their stuff tied into it uh, that becomes incredibly sticky and then they they just can't leave the ecosystem and the other big thing that Axon did was uh, last year they acquired their biggest competitor so they not not only have a monopoly in tasers but they also have a monopoly in body cameras both of those markets are growing so a lot to be excited about here it is and especially in a world where we have demanded more accountability from our police especially here in the United States of America uh, and and rightly so in some cases because there are unfortunately some bad 
actors, and when they're wearing blue with a badge, that makes things really problematic. I'm happy to say, since I've always been a fan of police forces, um, I'm definitely pro-police. I'll put myself out there. I really appreciate the work that they do every day. They put their lives on the line in many cases, just like our military. I also admire our military. But anyway, unfortunately, the bad actors get the headlines, and it creates some distrust of police. And so Axon Enterprise is there with its body cameras uh, to make it clear exactly who's saying what and what's happening when officers flip on that camera when they go into a situation. I want to put out a quick idea to our listenership. I did this a few weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure any city, maybe county in the United States, you can do this too. I signed online and I signed up for a free ride along with a cop for a day. It was a morning. Chances are, Google it, check your own local jurisdiction. I bet that there's a form there that you can fill out and say, I would like to ride along with an officer. And so I spent the morning a few weeks ago with Officer Mabry. And my stock tip for him at the end of the day was, you should buy Axon Enterprise. And he was certainly familiar with it. He appreciated the product. They use it in the D.C. Metropolitan Police Force every single day and have for a while. But uh, that made a lot of sense for Officer Mabry, my new friend. But you know, before moving on to the next stock, I asked Officer Mabry, I'm just curious, like, how many other people do this? And he said, um, you're the first one in five years. So apparently not a lot of people are, are taking advantage of this. But the opportunity to really see through an officer's eyes, I doubt they're going to put you in a distressing or dangerous situation most of the time. But just to spend that time and see how the world works and what they're doing every day. I really enjoyed the empathy that I gained from that, a fun experience. So that was my connect-in with Axon Enterprise. I wanted to share that from a few weeks ago. Well, anyway, what a great stock pick it was from two years ago. Plus 146 in the wind column. Brian, let's go to stock number two. This one allows me to trot out my fake Spanish accent. I never did take Spanish, but I'm going to go with Grupo Aeroportario del Pacifico. And the ticker symbol is PAC. And as you well know, Brian, because you've done a little studying up for us here, this is a company that operates a lot of Mexico's prominent airports and is positioned to benefit from all that money. You know, airports these days aren't even airports. They're like malls in a lot of cases. So that's part of their business. Uh, the stock two years ago this week was just below 100 at 99.5. Today, it's it's at 101, so it's up a couple percentage points. But unfortunately, when the market's up 24 and this one's up two, that's a minus 22 performance for PAC Grupo Aeroportario del Pacifico. That brings us down to plus 124 as we keep score. Brian, what's happening in Packland? Can we just pause for a second and say that was phenomenal job with the pronunciation there? I think that that was spot on. I, 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 I'm honored. I don't even know because I'm definitely not a native speaker. I did take French, as I've established earlier, and I could barely speak it after a few years. And that's not on my teachers. That was on me. I'm not very good at languages, but thank you. No, that was great. So, uh, yeah, I'll just, call, I'll just call it PAC, P-A-C, PAC. So, they own some of Latin America's most popular uh, airports. So, Guadalajara, Tijuana, Los Cabos, Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. And more recently, they've been expanding out into other other countries, actually. So, they actually just, uh, they own, um, they operate, I should say, Sangster International in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Hmm. And they are recently just were awarded a new contract for a second Jamaican airline that is coming online in October of 2019. But if you look at the uh, the company, the company's results have been pretty solid. This is a uh, company that's growing revenue at 20% because passenger volume is just increasing. And they make money in two ways. So they make money from... Um, 
two-thirds of the revenue comes from the passenger uh, uh, facility fees, airline uh, landing fees, parking, security. That's the bulk of their business. But they also, as you mentioned, have like malls on site where they basically have restaurants and stores and lounges. And that's one-third of their business. Mm. And they have these properties that have huge fixed costs. And as they are utilized more, that is just driving outsized return on the bottom line. So, this company has grown its top line and its bottom line very nicely over the last couple of years. Well, I'm really glad to know that. And I first picked this for Motley Fool Stock Advisor members in October 2016. You might notice that was timed just before the election in the United States of America. And the winner of the election, President Trump, didn't have kind things to say about Mexico. In many cases, still doesn't. And that really dunked the stock hard those first few months. So, it's been Kind of coming back ever since the stock pick for stock advisors up eight percent, with the market up forty three since then. So it's still a laggard, but it's at least it's not a loser like a few of the others that we talked about earlier. But you know, it's, it, I do really favor Mexico. I think it's very well positioned. There's a lot of great tourism, uh, lots of reasons to go to Mexico. Occasionally, it's needed some more police, maybe with some more body cams. That's a worry for the country. But for the most part, I'm a real believer in that area of the world, and so I like this coming going forward. Even though, well, it's up two percent, so it's not down. But even though it's it's been lagging here for the last few years. Yeah, and, and I think uh, if you look at international stocks in general, they have lagged the, the U.S. markets over the last couple of years. But the nice thing about this company is if you widen the lens to a little bit further out, three years, five years, it is more of a market beater. So, I think it's more of a fact that we're just looking at the last two years than yeah, anything else. Like, like when I picked it, for example, so or three years ago when I picked it. So, you're right. Um, if you dial it out further, it has been a very fine investment. It's just I haven't done a great job for my members, or in this case, my listeners, as it is Happy to say here, the one laggard from this five-stock sampler. A little foreshadowing for where we're headed. Okay, company number three. The ticker symbol is RMD. The company is Rasmed. It is a San Diego, California-based medical equipment company. Now, this gets into an area of expertise and interest for you, Brian, because you have been, in the past, a medical equipment professional. Yes, I spent a decade selling medical devices, so I know the space very well. And Rasmed, I've fortunately, I've not had to use its equipment. We all love our medical equipment makers. The less we have to use the equipment, the better, probably. But when we do need it, it's awfully good to have great equipment, whether it's a Da Vinci surgical robot, or in this case, um, for people who have sleep apnea, sleep-related breathing disorders, um, RestMed is the leader. Uh, It operates 100 countries worldwide combating sleep apnea. Now, two years ago, the stock was at $69.10 a share. Today, as we tape, it's just over 102 So, it's up 48% against the market's 24 That's plus 24 So, that takes us back to 148 percentage points of outperformance from these three so far. Brian, what's been happening for RestMed? Yeah, so this is a company that pioneered the use of uh, CPAP machines, continuous positive airway pressure, like you said, for people with sleep disordered breathing. And the nice thing about this business is they sell the machines themselves, but they also sell masks, tubings, and accessories that are have a more limited shelf life to them. So they're not a one-time sale; they are a repeat purchase sale. And this is a company that has just grown steadily because the the uh, potential market for sleep apnea is just enormous, and it's an incredibly Underdiagnosed disease. Underdiagnosed disease. Yeah. So indeed. as more people are as go to doctors and are just becoming aware of the disease, that's naturally pushing them towards uh, CPAP machines and ResMed. As one of the leaders and pioneers in the space, is directly benefiting. And another 
thing I want to point out about this company. It's it's actually getting into the software game. It has been very acquisitive in recent years uh, with buying uh, software companies that deal with out of out of hospital um, settings, and they've also been getting into the uh, electronic health records business. So they've mm-hmm. been making a couple of acquisitions there. And one of the things that they've done is they've created an app that you can use at home, and it actually listens and uses it to see if you have might have sleep apnea. So they're in a way creating demand for themselves by by building up their software component. Mm. So what I like about this company is it's the leader at what it does, and so often that's what we're looking for in rule breakers. First trade of a rule breaker, the top dog and first mover in an important emerging industry, and certainly uh, this is an important industry, and in a sense it is still emerging because we've talked about how underdiagnosed sleep apnea is worldwide. So it's awesome to be invested in a company that is the leader worldwide in combating it. So Resmed, good on you, up 48 percent, 24 percentage points ahead of the market. Company number four is next. We talked about this earlier because the I in April. For April, the giraffe. By the way, I occurs twice in the name Tajiri, April's offspring. I don't know if you knew that. Brian. I did not. I did not. Yeah. How about that? Two eyes in. Un- unlike you, David, I am a terrible speller. My <laughs> my my name is TMF typo for a reason. Aww. I am not the spelling bee champion of the Motley Fool. I do like that you spell it. Well, thank you. That's very. I'm honored. <laughs> you do spell it T Y P E O H, which I thought was fun. You're having some yes. fun there. Purposely misspelling typo. Yes. You are one of our most appreciated writers, Brian, a prolific writer on the site. So you can play yourself up as not a words guy, but you're putting it together every single day out there for lots of people reading fool.com. So thank you, sir. Well, Intuitive Surgical, and I was talking with Jim Mueller about this company earlier, of course, and it was up um, about 19 percentage points from last year, 11 ahead of the market. But if we dial it back a little bit, we know the market's up 24% since two years ago this week, and I'm happy to say that Intuitive Surgical has gone from 269 when it was picked on this podcast two years ago this week, from 269 to 558. Yep, that's just a little bit more than a double, up 109 percentage points. That's a plus 85 in the win column, a huge win for a stock that has, even as a large company and a leader, it's doubled in the past year. Brian, We'll talk a little bit about the medical equipment. Jim and I already did some of that. But before we do that, how about your own experience selling medical equipment? What was the hardest thing for you to do when you were the sales guy going into a doctor's office or a hospital? Oh, by far the hardest thing was if if, if the device you have requires the doctor to change something about the practice, change something about the way they currently operate, you have an enormous task because in so many cases, They've invested a huge amount of their time. They've trained their staff on the way to do one thing. And if you have a solution that slightly alters that, there are enormous barriers, even if your solution is better for the patient, better for the insurance company, better for humanity. Wow. The doctors many times have enormous resistance to anything that's new. Plus, in many cases, you're putting somebody's health on the line. So there's a natural resistance there. So when I personally see a medical device company that is just crushing it, that is just growing quickly, that tells me that they have an effective sales team and they're getting over that barrier. So that is something that is incredibly impressive to me. And what a great perspective. So glad to have you share that here as somebody who for a decade was in doctors' offices and hospitals having those conversations. You can see how it really does take rule breakers to be willing internally at a hospital or an office say, hey, let's go for this, let's try this. But you're right, there's a lot invested in the status quo. Therefore, when rules do get broken in this field, it's very profound usually and we like to own those stocks. And thinking about that, Brian, one of the companies that you worked for, I think the one for the longest period of time, which was Insulet, uh, a company helping to treat diabetes, but P 
P-O-D-D is the ticker symbol for insulin. And it occurs to me now that there's an I in insulin and a P in the ticker symbol. This could easily have been a stock for April, the draft itself. But um, insulin is an active rule breaker pick uh, for our members. The stock is up from 36 to 90 since May of 2014. So it's been a spectacular more than a double for members. This is the company that you left to come work at the Motley Fool? Crazy, right? And the stock has been a home run since I left. So you're welcome, investors. <laughs> Do you own some shares? I, I've actually sold them off. Actually, since uh, since doing them, uh, I've always thought it's a, a great company. But my my personal view is that I'd rather have it invested in other companies. Fair enough. Well, that that's part of what we do here at the Fool is we try to identify the best places for your money. So interesting to hear you say that this is an active recommendation that has done well for rule breakers. So, uh, but um, I respect your opinion. All right. So with that said, enough on medical devices. Any additional thoughts beyond what Jim and I talked about when you think about intuitive surgical. Oh yeah, I mean this is a comp- this is one of my favorite companies of of all time. I mean, what they've done is just so incredibly impressive. They have almost 5,000 Da Vinci systems that are in place everywhere and this is a business that just has tremendous optionality with the number of procedures that they can come up with, with the number of accessories that they can add on. And I I just love companies with recurring revenue and this is a company that boasts 70%, more than 70% of the revenue is recurring in nature. So a lot to like here and the thing that excites me is that their most recent version of the device is uh is called the Da Vinci SP. SP stands for single port. So instead of them doing a surgery and having three holes in your body, they now can do it through one. So that, again, for the patient, is tremendously attractive. And they also launched a, a new device that is uh, that goes in through the mouth and is actually used to take biopsies of, of the lung to diagnose lung cancer. Mm. So a completely non-invasive way to diagnose lung cancer. So this company just continues to break the rules. They really do. And, and we talked about their big R&D budget. Clearly, it's being put to good use. They keep innovating. Uh, they're not they're not content to just have that Da Vinci surgical robot and just leave it the same machine year after year. It really continues to broaden, and the platform gets richer every day. It is a company with a risk rating, which is something we have on the Rule Breakers site, risk ratings of just seven. And on a scale of zero to 25, where the higher the number, the riskier the stock, seven grades out very low. And so it is, ironically, one of those companies that I think you can make quite a bit of money on without that much risk, which seems to go against many people's intuition and part of the reason we love it as a rule breaker. All right, well, let's bring it all home, Brian. Stock number five. The ticker symbol is LYV. That's right, Live Nation. The L part of April and Live Nation two years ago this week was just over $31 a share. Today, it is over 64, so it also is more than a double. That's right, just two years ago on this podcast, with this five-stock sampler, three of the five stocks have more than doubled. So this is one of our very best performers. And you know, we're giving this information away for free on Crazy. this podcast. We should be charging for some of these podcasts, I think, but I guess we probably won't anytime soon. But yeah, so Live Nation, a plus 84, and that brings the numbers all together to plus 317 points of outperformance for these five stocks. If you divide by five, that's an average of about 63 percentage points. So the average stock here against a market that rose 24% over the last two years, the average stock is up 87%. An outstanding gift to April the Giraffe and her child, Tajiri, and all of our listeners worldwide. Now, let's talk a little bit about Live Nation. What's been happening that's been so successful right now for this longtime purveyor of rock music and other forms of entertainment? 
Yeah, so for those that don't know, this is the company that owns Ticketmaster. It is the leading promoter of any any huge event. So big time concerts, big time comedy acts. These guys not only represent the artists, in many cases they own or have exclusive booking rights to the venue. They get uh, they get the revenue from Ticketmaster, they get revenue from uh, advertising. So they are just in they have their hand in every single part of the food chain and they their their market share at the top level is extremely high. So this is a company with an almost monopoly when it comes to the the big businesses. And what we've seen is that, uh, I would say, especially with millennials coming out, is there's a general trend in society away from owning things and away, and towards experiencing things. So people are increasingly willing to spend money on w- events, so like such as concerts. And that really has played directly into Live Nation's hand. And this is a company that it almost is driven by network effects, where the biggest acts want to be with the biggest venues. And that puts them into Live Nation. At the same time, Concert goers want to go to the venues that have the best artists. So that creates almost a double sided network effect that allows this company to just continually win. And that's what we've seen with the results is just continued outperformance in the top line, attracting more concert goers, rolling out more advertising, and just grow, grow, grow. Really well put and broken down, Brian Froldy. Thank you very much. Yeah, Live Nation exhibiting really clearly that second trait of rule breaker stocks. And we talk about this a lot on this show, but sustainable competitive advantage. And so many of the 10 stocks that we reviewed this hour on, on rule breaker investing have an outstanding competitive advantage. Now, some people, and you use this a couple times, Brian, will use the word monopoly. I don't use that myself, just in the sense that. I don't think it is a true monopoly. Of course, there are a lot of other venues that Live Nation doesn't own and acts that they don't do. And some people do not buy tickets through Ticketmaster and pay a lot less because those service fees are remarkable. But anyway, um, so I, I think of it this way that these are dominant, really hard to compete against companies. But in capitalism, everyone is competing. So there are a lot of players out there, but the winners among rule breakers are the ones that were just so good at what they do, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, or some of the Companies that we talked about this week on the podcast. Well, Brian, it's great to see you. And, you know, if you're back next year for spring break, just drop me a note ahead of time. We'll review these stocks again or when you come through later this summer or fall. Really enjoy having you on Rule Breaker Investing. I look forward to it. I, I continue to think that these companies will all crush the market. And a show note before we close Rick Engdahl, my talented producer, you have been Googling the internets, looking up words. Uh, just the, the word Tajiri, which is, of course, April the Giraffe's offspring. Yes. In Swahili means hope. And confidence. Wow. That's perfect. And that's a perfect way to end this show. So we have hope for each of these companies as stocks, and we have confidence that they will, at least as a group, outperform. And in fact, if you took those 10 stocks together as a basket today and you did the math, you'd find out that those 10 have outperformed on average by 55 percentage points of the market, which is a great testament, I think, to rolling up your sleeves, buying stocks directly, avoiding the mediocrity that often characterizes index funds, and rightly so, even though we love them and they have a place, but knuckling in, buckling in, and buying great companies to hold as rule breakers. Well, next week, it's Rule Breaker Mailbag. It's the end of the month, the last Wednesday. We'll be taping a little bit early. So, if you want to drop us a note, rbi at fool.com as an email, or certainly you can tweet us at RBI Podcast. If you have a question, thought, suggestion, or poem to share on this upcoming Rule Breaker Mailbag, I will handle that next week. I look forward to it. In the meantime, thank you, Brian Feroldi. Thank you, Jim Mueller. Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.